Arr, she be a brewy night in the driftless seas. Ahoy, Captain! Keg beers straight ahead! We'll plug the scuppers and drop the anchor, me boys. There's a steamy one dead ahead. Oi, oi! Let's get after it! Welcome to... <clears throat> Welcome to Driftless Drinks. My name is John. And my name is Mark. And today we are diving into hybrid beers. Now, there's a lot of hybrid beers out there. You got your American Cream Ales. You got your French style Bitter Degard. You got the German style Alt Beer, the German style Kolsch, which we really like, and an Irish style Red Beer. But that's not what we have today. What do we have today, Mark? Today, my good friend, we have Anchor Brewing's Steam Beer as a hybrid style. It is commonly known as, uh, oddly enough, the California Common. But uh, Anchor, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, Anchor's is called a steam beer as it was traditionally called when first brewed. Would you like me to go around the label quickly, John? Kindly. Anchor Brewing Company Steam Beer since 1896, brewed by Anchor Brewing. 12 fluid ounces, and they are out of San Francisco, California, turning the bottle over. It just says Anchor Steam Beer, 4.9% alcohol <laughs> by volume. That's that's it. And then it's got a, uh, looks to be a, uh, a born-on date here. And this one. Uh-oh. I think we're still okay. We're only about four months along here. Typically, I think you want to drink these as fresh as possible. Um, and then the bottle cap on the uh, on the anchor. It, if you if you look at this with me, John, it's a it's I a am. really sweet looking like blue and yellow logo on this whole thing. It's it's actually quite attractive. I like these colors together. But uh, mm-hmm. on top it says anchor and it has an anchor behind it, right? Like the picture of an <laughs> anchor. And underneath that it says use opener. Yeah, it, they're trying to make sure that you don't rip your hand apart. You know, believing that this is a twist off. Sure. Shall we open? The beers. Oh. John, let's get after this thing and open it right up. You ready? Yep. In three, right, here we go. two, one. One. It wasn't very dramatic. No, it wasn't. But it was, it was nice. A little bit of steam right. coming off of here. Yep. <laughs> you know, and that's why they call it a steam beer. Sure. We did, we did research and stuff. I don't think <laughs> this is why they called oh. it a steam beer. I think there's a different reason, but we. Oh, don't, okay. We'll get there. Should we pour it out? Yep, let's do it. Ooh. Oh. I've never had a California common. Ever? Really? This this will be this will be a first. And I've had Anchor Steam before, but maybe they just changed their label. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe the label's throwing me off. Yeah, the label has changed over yeah. the years. It used to be a little bit more of a cream okay. color label. So if you hold this thing up to the light, it's a, it's almost like a straight oh, yeah. orange color. It's really nice. There's quite a bit of head to start with on this thing, too, and it's rapidly dissipating. But there are some good-sized bubbles mm-hmm. in here. There are a few finer bubbles as well and a few rocky ones. I guess it's kind of a, a bubble palooza of all kinds of bubbles in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Yeah, the Bubble Palooza was was a good time. I was yeah. I was right up there at. It's, I think they were touring with Ozfest too, weren't they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure Black Label Society was. No, they wouldn't have been at Bubble Palooza. Who would have been at Bubble Palooza? Probably Fun would have been there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it's it's a clear right, beer, and you can see the bubbles rising quickly throughout. Uh, holding yeah, it up, and it's maintaining a really good head on it. The 
It is very clear. It's it's not clear so much. Of course, that's a lot of the, a lot of the chill, the chill haze from not chill haze. That's bad, but chill haze from the. Yeah, it's, from the glass just being cold. It's actually in in my house right now. It's because uh, it's like ninety degrees and about a thousand percent humidity, and so mm-hmm. the condensation rapidly built on the glass, and I can tell that it it is clouding my glass heavily. So I don't. To me, it's not cloudy. The beer isn't cloudy. I think it's the glass. But yep, that's exactly the that's exactly the case. All right, I'm gonna stick a nose in it. Yeah. Ooh, that's just malty goodness. Yeah, it is. It's almost all malt right up front. Mm-hmm. And that's that. It's that bright with. It's not, not really roasty, but kind of a darkish malt. The, the carbon dioxide is really kind of coming right through that. Yeah. No, nope, mostly malt here. Yeah, there's there's not much more to it. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, no. in, in, a wor- in a world where every second beer is a pastry stout, it's just, oh, look, yeah. it just smells like beer. <laughs> Pretty much. This is not exactly the most exotic of styles, by the way. So it's, we'll get into a little bit of the history of it, but the, the, the quick synopsis is that this was beer for the common man about 150 years ago or so. So it's it is a very, it was seen to be, uh, initially, a bit of a lower quality kind of beer, not as low quality as they got a hundred years after that, like in fifties and sixties here in America. But you know, you know, the other thing that I, I find interesting about this is that uh, you know, according to the craft beer style guide, the uh, the hybrid beers, you know, all, all the ones that I listed before, this could just by odor be a cream ale. It could easily be an alt beer. It could sure. be. A, I, I've had Kolsch's that smelled like this. So I, it's kind of interesting that they're all kind of yeah. It could be just together. a straight lager too, just by the nose, you know. Well, shall we take a temperature? Let's. All right. For we'll take a science. Take a quick for science. All right, hold on. I gotta go get my my thermometer. Be right back. Okay. I move fast. Quickly, I go out the room. Here we go. And I'm sure you weren't talking while i was gone oh no it's okay good dead silent yeah uh 55 degrees yep that's exactly where i'm at 54.9 john sweet we are on par for once check that out look at us synchronized with our temperatures and our beers and such oh it's 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 so nice all right So we will take a quick break while we take a picture for the gram and uh, we'll be right back to raise this anchor. And we're back. Hey, if you want to see that picture, make sure you follow us on Instagram. Uh, We post that. We'll post the images about a week or so ahead of time so you can drink with us if you want to get the same kind of beer. Otherwise, just follow us. We put lots of stu- lots of different beers up there and uh, kind of let you know what's going on in our beer world. So, Mark? Yes? I think we should taste this. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to twist your arm. Nope. No twist needed. All right, I'm going to hoist it up. 
Hmm. Ooh. Okay. That is an interesting experience. That was not what I was expecting. There is a... Okay, so the first the first thing that, that the most prevalent flavor there is the malt. But I was expecting something a little more multi-substantial than that. And instead what I got was a really interesting bitter front note. Yeah. Not not hoppy, but like a almost like there was a almost a spice kind of front end that I can't quite pin like a cardamom, but not mm. that not that identifiable. Gotcha. That's the first thing I got. See, to me that was the carbonation that kind of bit on the front end, which is pretty mm -hmm. interesting because on a lot of beers you don't uh oh. <laughs> Ahoy! There she blows! <laughs> I feel like I'm probably going to get harpooned here at any second. Um, <laughs> but most beers, and a lot of the stuff we drink and try, like the carbonation is like a secondary, it's a mouthfeel thing. But mm -hmm. it really, it's, it's a very highly... It's not super duper highly carbonated beer, but fairly highly carbonated beer, and it kind of gets you right on the front end of it. And then after Definitely. that, you get uh, the malty notes uh, kind of in the middle of the beer, which, yeah, you know, I else. guess for me, that's usually where I pick up on the malt anyway. But it's just interesting that the carbonation kind of hits first in that scenario. So the other interesting part is that with most lagered beers, the carbonation is a little more subdued. And like I said, that it plays more of a secondary role. So the beers, like typical lagers, will feel a little more kind of roly-poly or round on your mouth. Whereas this one, it's almost more like an ale. It grabs you up front with the carbonation. And the, the, the one thing to note about the... Uh, don't worry, we'll fix that in post. The one Sorry. thing to note about... About the uh, the malt, as as we were looking at it, it actually looks fairly dark for what ends up being a much lighter kind of tasting beer or feeling beer on your palate, and mm -hmm. um, I, f I find that really interesting because you you'd think that the uh, the color would almost follow suit with a little bit of a heavier mouthfeel, but it really doesn't. No, it's very bright. It's very it's very light. Um, boy. It's you're right. So the, the carbonation in the front, then then before the malt though, there's a spice, and I'm not I'm not picking up on what that is. I can't I can't identify. Cardamom is as close as I can come. Okay. But but the but because there's a dryness with this, that cardamom is like if you've ever actually just like if you had to test your supply of cardamom to find out if you had to go buy more at the store, and you took it straight, and you had that little bit of that, then it gets on your tongue. And you're like ah, it's on my tongue. Um, Okay, that's an unpleasant feeling. This one's not, but the flavor is is there. Um, and then after the malt hits, it cleans up with a bitter note, like a hoppy bitter note. A little bit, yeah. Uh, yeah, not not punchy, not nothing dissatisfying or you know off-putting about it. But yeah, there's just a little bit of a little bit of a astringency at the end. Yep, just it's a touch. Really, and, really fun. And and not astringency in some of the ways that we can typically view it, you know, like the chewed aspirin kind of. It's, it yeah, doesn't have that. anything to do with that. 
I, I know what you're saying, and it's hard for me to convey, but I'm just trying to pile on what you had already said about, like, there is just a tickle of a, a hop note at the end that does help it clean up, and the carbonation really does wonders with that as well. And it is a very yeah. uh, burpy beer, is what I'm noticing. Is like, I feel like I'm <laughs> yep. uh, Charlie in the Chocolate Factory here. Yeah, the, the carbonation is there. We've, we've both belched off of this thing, and... I don't remember the don't remember that happening in one of the podcasts before. <laughs> but it is it's really I mean this is really delightful. This is you know you would think just a lager you wouldn't like sit down and pay attention to it. You know, lager's a lager is a lager, you know. It's like there's a few of them that are, get kind of wild. But this has got enough interest in it. It's like I'm I could go either way. I could either sit and just drink this doing something, you know, sitting around waiting for something on the grill to cook. Or I can do exactly what we're doing and sit down and pay attention to it and really dive into it. I, it allows for both. Yeah, it's, so. I, I would agree. I, I think there's not a ton of complexity there, but it offers something different than most uh, typical kind of uh, beers in this, you know, either alcohol range or this, you know, malt profile. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that, yeah. that spice note you're getting on the front is a little bit of the yeast. I'm curious about that. I, that's something I do not know about. I'm just wondering if that's that's definitely possible. I mean, that could definitely be what's what's causing that, uh, which would be interesting because so many, you know, uh, Anchor <laughs> um, Anchor Brewing is a fairly large brewing house. I mean, they they make a lot, and they're they're pretty much nationwide as far as I know. Yeah, they do a and, wonderful porter too. Yes, they do. The the thing about that is that usually when you get them that large, you know, there's no chance of tasting the yeast. They've killed everything off. They've filtered 12 ways till Sunday to, to get all of that out of there. If that's what I'm picking up, that's an act of brilliance on their part, if you if you ask me. It's a 4.9%, by the way, which is not nothing. Right. Anytime anytime you get near five, you're, you know, you don't want to be pounding these things away. Um, or so do you? Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take let's take a moment, and when we come back, you can tell me more about uh, steam beer and the California common style. Sounds good. And we're back. Uh, Mark, tell us about the California common and steam beer styles. John, I would love to. Unfortunately, there are many conflicting stories about this stuff. <laughs> um, so it's it's just kind of it's so this is how beer happens sometimes, you know, and as we go through back through the histories of beers and different ones that are, you know, potentially hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of years old. This one is a relatively modern beer by those standards, but uh it's it's kind of uh it doesn't really have a very uh well defined or written beginning uh Hmm. what i can tell you is that it was first brewed during the california gold rush right so all these miners moved out to california and there were other entrepreneurs that flowed with you know i think levi strauss was actually one to provide you know denimware for the and clothing for the mining the miners Mm -hmm. that moved out to do the work right so right again in an entrepreneurial sense there were uh, saloon owners and brewers that moved out there, right? Because you got a bunch of miners that are sweating all day, and they're probably going to want a little bit of swill to drink at the end of the day. 
And so, that's where the money was. Yeah. Yeah. So they, but the other thing was, is that it was hard getting, um, like ingredients and stuff, right? Well, lo and behold, after time, there were German immigrants coming through and some of them knew how to brew beer. So these Germans moved out to go along with the uh, gold rush. And that's kind of where it said the the steam beer started to develop, right? Because they had brought Mm -hmm. German lager style yeast with them. And so what they were doing is whatever ingredients they could get their hands on to make this whatever beer they could, the German... uh, the uh, German brewers would bring their lager yeast with and kind of made do with what they had with the rest of the ingredients. So that's part one of it, right? Part two Mm -hmm. is that there wasn't modern refrigeration during the time, right? So they had to try to find places like caves or whatever to store this beer, and some of these places didn't even have that. So what they would do is brew brew this like kind of at the time it was just kind of swill right it would have been like what we think of as like 50s 60s and 70s macro beer here in the states it just wasn't it wasn't like a refined style it was they were making something out of whatever they had which was not a lot so as the lager yeast worked through the beer um, Mm -hmm. it it was at much higher temperatures than normal and it created an immense pressure in these kegs so when they first tapped the keg it would blow off this huge head of steam before they could serve it so that oh, was okay. one interpretation of it. Now I've read in another place that uh, there was actually a place that kept their steam beer on the roof to ferment, mm-hmm. and that you could see as it was fermenting, steam was actually coming off the top of the beer as it was fermenting, like that initial oh, fermentation period. And then there's there's another one, uh, another story that said uh, you know with the steam of the locomotives or whatever, it had something to do with trains, and I'm like. Oh. Uh, that's just kind of lame. I don't like that story at all. <laughs> I like I like the one where it was like, hey, we're going to use lager yeast and ferment it at high temperatures. And when you open the keg, it blows off a bunch of foam. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where the name comes from. Again, there are varying stories there. But those are kind of the three uh, most common ones that I had found hmm. for how it was yeah, that, named. Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. You know, that, and that's the thing is when they're having to use lager yeast. And I know that like on, on the website for... Um, for Anchor Steam, you know, on Anchor Brewing, they they talk about doing it on, you know, putting the, these kegs up on the rooftop and in the steamy weather and that kind of thing. And what's interesting there is that they actually talk about it as being open air, like they were open air fermenting that. Well, that would have introduced all kinds of crazy, right. you know, microbes to it. So you would have got something that was almost sour in, at at some point. You, you know, it's such an uncontrollable kind of. Uh, Methodology, especially in a place like San Francisco, where you've got where you've got you know the bay and you've got the ocean coming through, and and it'd be really interesting to have tried some of the steam beer back, you know, in the in the nineteen you know fifty or the eighteen fifties, when uh, you know when that was happening, that would have been really cool. Yeah, yeah, that could have definitely been part of you know just making beer out of again whatever is available. But as the years drew on, you know, and the the cities became a little more robust and supplies were a little easier to get. I think steam beer kind of fell out of favor, right? And I think by the Mm -hmm. turn of the century or so, it was really in decline and there were other styles and other types of beer that were able to be brewed. Anchor Brewing was known for making steam beer back in the day, right? And like I said, it fell out of favor, Mm -hmm. that style of beer. And uh, Anchor Brewing was kind of on its last legs by, I guess, the mid-60s. 
And there was a college student, a German college student from Iowa, via Iowa, that came out named Fritz Maytag, that came out to Anchor Brewing, and he uh. really enjoyed the brewery, and he enjoyed the beer or whatever. And uh, he had heard that the brewery was getting close to either being floor closed down or shutting down altogether, right, ceasing operations. And so he wanted to buy the brewery. So he spent the first couple of years at the brewery learning how to brew beer in the process. And actually, this is funny because this has a Wisconsin tie. Bill Leinenkugel had helped him kind of hone his brewing skills. Oh, cool. And then from right. there, Fritz Maytag had ended up uh, going from either a partial ownership role to completely owning the brewery. And he was kind of the head brew guy there. And then uh, it sounds like he kind of rediscovered the steam beer recipe. And so when he had done so, it, they had started brewing this beer again for the first time. And I think they were the only people in the country at the time that were brewing, still or starting to rebrew steam beer. They they applied for the uh, the name. They won the name of steam beer, right? So Anchor actually owns the name steam beer now. And so the common name for steam beer or the style is California Common because when Anchor Brewing started rebrewing steam beer, they applied for uh, the patent on the on the name. Oh, so, so yeah, so they've got the they've got the trademark and nobody can yeah, use it. Yeah, the trademark. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. They get, they got the yeah. name on lockdown is basically what it was. But yeah, so that's kind of the history of steam beer and why only Anchors is called steam beer now and now we call that style California Common. And a California Common is actually a fairly easy homebrew recipe that a lot I've seen a lot of different uh like homebrew kits that will offer a California Common because it's it's a pretty easy beer to put together, I guess. Not that I know, I don't really brew beer, but I've had a couple that other people have done and they've all turned out pretty well, so. That would be fascinating to try. You know, lagering beer is one of the things that's really not an easy thing for a home brewer to do because it it takes such specific temperatures. So that's that's why a lot of people go for ales. So it would be neat to to actually try that out. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that's fascinating stuff. I love those stories. I love learning about, you know, how how these styles come came to be and how, you know, that the idea of rediscovery of older styles and then bringing those to the to the fore. Cuz this is a, I mean, it's really a staple of of Anchor Brewing. Their steam beers like their their flagship beer. So I, I think it's really fascinating. Yeah. That kind of stuff and the thing that threw me, right, on this and sorry for clunking through the history of this. I thought I had it and I really <laughs> I learn something new every time I read about steam beer because it's something I've known about for many, many years, but it's just, you just keep discovering new bits and pieces of information that who knows, it's a lot of it is probably old wives tales or folklore, but <laughs> I, I think it's very interesting that, you know, a college student came to Anchor, the brewery is about to go under, he puts some money into it, eventually becomes a full owner, and then a guy from Wisconsin, Bill Leinenkugel, is the one that's helping him hone his craft. Like, it kind of brings that this this whole beer right back home to where we're at you know so yeah it's very yeah cool. right in the driftless area you get you got you got the iowa because you know you got because maytag's down in central yeah, iowa exactly not quite, not quite the driftless area you got the you got you know a clear which is just at the edge and so that that's all within the in the driftless area so it's it's really neat that that history comes together from you know from this area yeah so. very cool they revived the style basically so Shall we take another thermometer reading? Yeah, we can. There's not a lot left, I'm not gonna lie. No, not much here either. It's trying not to 
burp my way through that. <laughs> it is such a burpy beer. All right, I'm not quite 10 degrees warmer. I'm at 63 now. 63 and a half. Yeah, I'm at 63.1. Mm. Yep. All right. And as let's, it's let's warmed, I mean, honestly, as this is one of those beers that's kind of like a beer beer, but it reminds me of what <laughs> you would go into, you know, a pub or whatever almost 100 years ago in order as a beer. Yeah. It's, it's before macro brewing started and when local breweries were still making like solid ales and lagers, you know, like it just seems like you roll up to a place after work and you order a beer and this is what they give you. Yeah. Yeah, I got to say that the uh, the time did not sink it. It became sweeter. It became much more um, caramel malt forward. A touch less effervescent. Yeah. But that carbonation really hangs in there. Yeah, it does. There is oh. a nut. There's like... I don't know what that other note is in here. It's almost like like a watered-down barley wine kind of a note on the nose now. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah, it's, okay. Oh, wow. It's different. It is. It's it's really changed. That 10 degrees made a big difference. Well, okay, in the nose, not, not yeah. All, yeah. Well, not just not just the 10 degrees, but the fact that it's so much less in the tulip glass. Yeah, I'm pulling barley wine off of that, which is really weird. It's it's faint, but it's it's in there. I just picked yep. up some Sierra Nevada's Bigfoot, by the way. I wish it was a touch sweeter, but it's really good. <laughs> but yeah, so like I'm into barley wines right now, and I'm, I'm mm -hmm. it's that weird. It's like not weird, a grainy like booze note is what I'm getting uh. at, and it's but it's. That's the thing is it's, it's only like a 5% beer, so it's not like you're getting hot booze off the top of it. You're getting that extra, you know, where it came from without the right. alcohol. Now, all that being said, we we are we are diving into this mm. as as uh, practiced tasters. I wouldn't recommend letting it warm in the glass. No, I, I no, think no, it, no, no, no. I no, I, I think I think this one is drink it cold, drink it happy, don't try to put too much into it. No, I, I totally agree. I think this is one you pour cold and you drink it, and if it warms in the glass and you can find other things in it, then go for it. I wouldn't suggest that, though. No. Although, I think there's something to be said for maybe pouring it at a couple of different temperatures. There's, I yeah, know. I don't know. You, uh, yeah. It would be interesting to try this ice cold, like in the 40-degree range, and see how, oh, yeah, yeah. see how it kind of came through. I, I think it'd be a little bitier. Not quite as not quite as sweet. Go down a yeah. lot easier. So this it's pretty forgiving, which That's, is nice. That it is. That's actually a great description of it, John. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I think you could open it at fifty-five degrees and be okay, and I think you could open it at thirty-eight degrees and be okay. Although I will say, at that cold of a temperature, I really think that the, you're going to get some major burp action going on. Oh yeah, you are. Which. You know, it. We've been like hitting the the burp button this whole time. Dude, yeah. we, this would this would have been nothing but a belch fest this entire podcast. Mm. Actually, before we will... wrap, I already finished my beer, but I'm gonna have another one. Yeah, I finished it too. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna have another one. 
ever. So, John, you want to speculate on what we would uh, maybe want to have to uh, to eat with one of these Anchor Steam beers? Yeah. Yeah, sure. So the first thing that comes to my mind is San Francisco cuisine. And I don't mean like, you know, the very, it's very eclectic there, so it's hard to say San Francisco cuisine. But I'm thinking the the seafood, like the Pacific seafood kind of thing. The, definitely some of that ah. Pacific, some Pacific shrimp. Um, this would go really well with a West Coast clam chowder. The New England clam chowder it would be okay with too, but I really think that the uh, the rich clam chowder it would, oh, it would yeah. go with. To me, that's where that's where this is sitting for me. Cool. I actually I am going to go one hundred percent Wisconsin here. Okay. And I would totally hammer one of these with a a sweet sweet beer brat and like oh. pepper relish. Like that's oh, there you go. like to me that would be like totally boss, right? Maybe a little bit of mustard on there too. But like I, I'm just thinking right now, like. And I already ate. I don't know why I'm hungry, but a, a brat with this would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, the 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 caramel with that kind of would pair with you know the the sweetness of the of the meat. I get that. I get that. And then you kind of have you know, and around here we actually use the rye brat buns, so you know sure. that would pair really well with it. Heck so I, yeah. I get that. I get that. It's really two different dining experiences because it, you're pulling off the different notes of this beer. So it's. That, that's kind of cool. So if you're going to a party and you don't know what they're going to be serving and you want to bring some beer, it's a BYOB kind of thing. Hey, six pack of this uh, Anchor Steam beer is not a bad idea. That's that's an awesome point, dude. And I've actually done that with this beer throughout the years where you're going to a party and you don't know what everybody else's palate is and you don't want to make assumptions, but you want to bring something more than, you know, standard macro light beer. This would be perfect for that because you'll fit right in. You'll be like, somebody might look at you like, oh, what's that weird beer? And you'd be like, try it. And they would probably, I mean, you can't really go wrong. You're going to please a lot of palates with this thing, right? And then right. even the the microbrew guys would be like, oh, cool, Anchor, steam beer, right? And then you can yeah. tell everybody the story of the steam beer. You have to pick which story you're going to tell them. But yeah, you right. can tell them the story. You the just Anchor. make yeah. up your own, dude, at this point. M- m- make up a new one. Yeah, I mean, there, there's several. You can go with them. It would go over a lot better than bringing your own homebrew and having people look at you going, dude, I've been in your kitchen. How much dog hair is in this thing? <laughs> <laughs> the answer, not enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If the yeast didn't have a problem with it, you won't either. Drink up. <laughs> So all that said, Mark, scale of 1 to 10, you got 30 seconds. What do you think? I like this beer as much for the history as I do the beer itself because it makes you feel like you're tasting history when you have one of these, right? And the cool thing about the history is that there are a couple of them, and I think it's told in in the minds and the hands of the uh, the workers and things and, and the uh, brewers at the time, right? It's really a beer brewed out of ingenuity, for people who were hardworking and trying to carve out a living in this country early on, I for for me that that's what drives it all home, and I I really love this beer. What would I give it on a rating? Man, for history, I'd give it like a ten. 
I really think it's cool and it's kind of nebulous. I but I I love the origin story of it. As a beer, I would probably give this like an eight. I think I think it's great, and I love that somebody you know brought back a recipe and revived it, so we can all taste history again. Cool. How about yourself? What do, what are you going to give this one? So I'm going to give this one uh, a seven, and the reason I'm going to give it a seven is that this isn't something that I'm going to go to, and you know it, when I want to just I'm going to go for a beer, I'm going to have a beer, and you know kind of looking for something special. This isn't what I'm going to pick up. There's so many other beers yeah. out there. This isn't my go-to. However. If what I'm trying to do is please other people and still be really happy at the same time, this is going to be it. And I'm telling you, I'm going to have this with seafood too. So if I'm going to a party, I'm going to pick this up. If I have other people coming over who are going to have food, who are going to eat at the house, this is where I'm going. Definitely. Driftless Drink Studio Recording, courtesy of HPJ Studios in Tomo, Wisconsin. Be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you get your podcasts, and like us on Facebook and Instagram, where we feature each episode's brews a week or so ahead of time. Visit us at driftlessdrinks.com where you can comment on each episode, and drink along with us on the Driftless Drinks YouTube channel. So that's it for this episode of Driftless Drinks. My name is John. And my name is Mark. Keep a cold one handy for us. Please do. Beauty. John just mm. toasted himself. It was awesome. I, wor- I did. Well, I was toasting the whole thing. It, was, it worked. Uh, Dude. All right. That is it gross. Is, it is such a burpy <laughs> beer. Oh, God. It really is like that scene in Willy Wonka. Burp, Charlie, burp. Have you ever done that? You ever sit down and fart? And then your like your back cracks at the same time, and you, oh. just suddenly, and you just suddenly realize I'm relaxed now. Oh no, I go the other way. I get paranoid. I'm like, holy shit, did I just paralyze myself? <laughs> I, I I think I think Mark I think Mark just farted. How do you know? Well, he <laughs> keeps moving his feet to make sure they're working. Yeah, I don't think he can feel his legs. Do you feel confident about, yeah. about the way you ended there? Or we can just kind no, of no, I, 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 I say that was one of the worst segues ever is what I think. Oh. I think I did a shitty job is what I really think. So It's like the inventor I'm not of the segue. He words. just rode that motherfucker right off the cliff. Dude. <laughs> oh, that poor guy. Yeah, I know. Killed by his own invention. Son of a bitch. Yeah. What you can't see is that when John gets up from his chair, he is not wearing pants. That's right. John wears no pants at the taping of this podcast. I can't say that I am surprised. His big, bulgy manliness has just stepped back into the room. Oh. And here we go.